0: best part of doing a podcast is writing down what I think when historical events occur for these specials. I'm processing my thoughts as well as putting these thoughts on the record, and I think that's pretty cool. Y'all know where I stand, and you will always know where I stand. I think that's pretty dope. Welcome to Red Leg Revolution, a show about community. And like we've talked about in our fascism episode, community doesn't involve reactionaries or fascists. So today, let's talk about Kenosha, Wisconsin. Let's talk about the uprising of 2020, how reactionary individuals enable full fascism, how there are different legal standards for minorities, and how Kyle Rittenhouse murdered three people in cold blood. Yeah, it's the Rittenhouse episode. Y'all knew I had to have something to say on it. I debated doing a show about this for a few reasons. First of all, our goal is to bring people together, and Rittenhouse is divisive to most of America. You either see him as a cold-blooded murderer who crossed state lines to kill protesters, or you see him as a patriotic child who went to protect his community. There's no middle ground, even from my centrist colleagues who normally don't pick a side. They've all picked a side one way or another. Fence-sitters are not cool people. Anyway, secondly, and I'm going to be honest here, this case scares me. As of this writing, the trial is still going on, We're waiting for the jury to deliver a verdict but by the way it's going i'm pretty fucking terrified at the moment it looks like kk kyle is going to get off due to legal legal malarkey and that's going to set a precedent where i have to fear for my life every single time i choose to go to a protest third the inequalities in our legal system make me fucking furious especially when presented so openly so let's talk about the case for a minute We ain't going to get too specific here because we all already know almost everything there is about the case thanks to the media, the cell phone videos, the coverage. It's a great time to know what's going on in the world. On the night of August 25th, 2020, during the uprising that resulted after the Kenosha police fatally shot Jacob Blake, a black man, Kyle Rittenhouse traveled across state lines armed with his illegally obtained gun. At 11.48 p.m., Vile Rittenhouse shot Joseph Rosenbaum four times, killing him. While attempting to apprehend Kyle Anthony Huber, forever known to me as Skateboard, was shot once, fatally. Finally, he shot Gage Grosskreutz. Grosskreutz, I have no idea how to pronounce that, and I'm very sorry, comrade Gage. You're a baller. No, no disrespect. He shot Gage as Gage pulled his own weapon. Gage was the only survivor. The next day, Rittenhouse turned himself in after multiple cell phone videos were uploaded to the interwebs. The conservatives hailed him a hero, the liberals called him a murderer, and that brings us to where we are right now. The trial started a few weeks ago, which prompted why I'm sitting at my desk at 2.51 on a Monday afternoon recording this. Tuesday. What the hell day is it? I don't know. While I may reference the ongoing trial today, I don't want to spend a lot of time on the legal malarkey that the defense team is utilizing. I'd like to talk a bit more about the ramifications about all this, especially since I'm writing the script before a verdict has been reached. I want to talk about what this means for us all. But first, let me tell you about my camping trip to Maria's Lazine. The weekend of August 25th, 2020, I went camping with my partner the same partner I met at a John Brown-themed anti-Confederate flag protest. We made a pilgrimage to the Lazine massacre site where 30 Confederates murdered six abolitionists during the bleeding Kansas era. We studied the site with respect as we learned about partisan violence at the times, the bravery of the victims, and John Brown's response to these particular murders. We paid our respects to our fallen comrades of history and headed back to the city. I usually unplug when I go camping, so it wasn't until we got home that I saw the news about the Rittenhouse murders. Less than two months previous, I had been out in the streets on the front lines, and this all brought it home to me. I could die doing this shit. After all, I'm sure Rosenbaum, Gage, and skateboard Anthony Huber went out that hot night without their own mortality in their head. Up to this point, we had only lost comrade Heather Hayer in Charlottesville, and it wasn't open season on protesters by civilians not yet. A moment of silence for Heather, Anthony, and Joseph. We will not see their likes again. At that point in my life, I owned two plinking guns, but on August 26th, I began to shop for a bigger one. That was the day I truly began arming myself, as well as the day I began to take combat training seriously. I could almost hear Reverend Brown talking to me, Son, if they're going to shoot yours, you better be ready, willing, and able to shoot back. Now, I want to be clear here. I'm not in any position, nor do I have any desire to do what Kyle Rittenhouse did. I'm not going to go to an alt-right rally, pick a fight, shoot everyone involved, and then claim victimhood. Nor am I advocating open gun battles in the streets. I don't think violence should be our go-to tactic, but since it seems to be so for the other side and may very well be effectively legalized with this written house verdict, I do think there are some points we need to consider. And we'll get right into that, after some commercials. Because... the economy or, or something. I don't know. Ads? Deep in the swamps of Florida. Honey, is that a new plant? He dwells, waiting... Where did those seeds come from, honey? Silently. Oh, my God. What is that thing? Sending seeds and stickers across the country. Ah. And spreading solidarity. Have you lost your mind, honey? We can't move to a sustainable commune in upstate New York. What's wrong with you lately? There's no stopping him. The mighty skunkie is on Facebook and he's on a mission. Anarchy! No! Coming to a post office box near you. The Skunk Ape Liberation Union. Hey, capitalism sucks, but Revolution Records, Kansas City's old school record and bookstore, is part of my community. When I'm in Kansas City and need a book or a copy of a local band's album, I go to Revolution Records. Revolution has a great selection of posters, books, records, tapes, and zines. Plus, they repair music and sound gear. That's pretty dope. Most importantly, Revolution Records is part of the community beyond being a small business. The staff does a great job maintaining an inclusive, accepting, and respectful atmosphere, and they also are active in making Kansas City a better place. Community fundraisers, workshops, events, and meetings all have taken place at Revolution Records, and that's just the stuff I was involved in. So the next time you need a new record to spin or your speaker breaks, go check out Revolution Records, located 1830 Locust Street, Kansas City, Missouri, or at revolutionrecordskc.com. And we're back. Kyle Rittenhouse murdered two people and injured a third, openly. And yet, headlines I'm seeing from the trial are ones like these. Men shot by Kyle Rittenhouse can't be called victims at trial, but may be called looters, Judge says. Judge lets Kyle Rittenhouse choose from Raffledrum, which jurors will decide his fate. Rittenhouse Judge dismisses underage weapons charge and murder trial. Kyle Rittenhouse Judge stops mid-sentence during jury instructions. Kyle Rittenhouse, judge, in spotlight after angry reprimand of prosecution. Is, is it just me? I'm kind of detecting a pattern here. Let's talk about the judge in this case, Bruce Schrader, from an article published by The Guardian, written by Maya Yang. Quote, The shouting that unfolded on Wednesday in Kyle Rittenhouse homicide trial has thrust the presiding judge, Bruce Schrader, and his style of unusual lectures and quirky questions into court under the spotlight. Schrader heavily heavily admonished prosecutors in the trial in Kenosha, Wisconsin, questioned the authenticity of some pinch-to-Zoom footage presented in evidence, and apparently forgot to silence his phone in court, which at one point rang with the song used by Donald Trump at his rallies. End quote. It's clear by Schrader's behavior that he stands Kyle. My meme feed is full of stuff like, find someone who looks at you the same way Judge Schrader looks at Kyle Rittenhouse along, of course, the influx of crying Kyle Rittenhouse memes. I honestly wish these memes were funny to me, but it's not. The fact that the judge is doing everything within his power to either get an acquittal or a mistrial for the case is appalling, and the fact he's so brazen about it demonstrates his faith that the system will protect him. Which it will, because judges are part of our law system which protects itself above all others. If you need reference... Take a look for police internal investigations the lack of prosecution for murderous cops qualified immunity or the fact that madam vice president spent her prosecuting career locking up low-income folk back to that guardian article now quote before the trial Schrader ruled that men shot by rittenhouse cannot be referred to as victims by prosecutors defense attorneys may however call them arsonists or looters if they could justify those labels Prosecutors argued that Schrader was establishing a double standard. During the prosecution's cross-examination on Wednesday, Schrader stunned tri- trial viewers as he reprimanded Assistant District Attorney Thomas Benger for questioning Rittenhouse post-arm silence, which Schrader had disallowed. As the defense argued for a mistrial with prejudice over Benger's action, Schrader's phone suddenly rang to the ringtone of, God bless the USA. Released in 1984 by Lee Greenwood, the song is popular in conservative circles and often plays as Trump rallies, end quote. Yeah, this is American-style justice. Again, not at all surprising to me because these systems protect themselves and they inherently bring people who would probably have a more conservative leaning to areas like the criminal court. It's something that I would love to go in deeper with uh, my lawyer friends in another episode, but for now, let's just say we know there's a lot of hardcore conservatives on the bench who support the Thin Blue Line, and any type of action against the Thin Blue Line is going to be met as action against their allies. What is surprising is there's no fact to hide his open bias. That's the scary part because this will become the new normal. Some right-wing chud kills a handful of protesters, gets arrested, becomes a right-wing celebrity, and then gets off due to the inherent sympathy for these types from the judges. They'll go on to have lucrative careers as conservative celebrities, further encouraging other wannabe Kyles to take the same path. Meanwhile, leftist protesters are hit with conspiracy charges, felony destruction of property, trespassing, and whatever else they can make stick. And our side doesn't get the leniency from the criminal courts in the form of sympathetic judges. For example, here's how Wisconsin is preparing for news of the verdict. From Yahoo News, Wisconsin has dispatched 500 National Guard troops and hundreds of nearby police officers will also be available as a precaution to ensure public safety during the conclusion of the trial. They're already gearing up for unrest and instead of Sending any type of emissaries into the community. They're gearing up to do exactly what they did last year that made this whole case happen. And that's just the start. Who knows how it'll go from there. So let's talk about going to protest, especially in 2021. Some of these that I'm going to list sound paranoid AF, sound paranoid as fuck. But given things like the verdict itself or the tactics used by law enforcement during the uprisings in 2020, they're practical. Wear all black, cover all identifying features such as tattoos, defining hairstyles, etc. Take friend, take two friends, and know who your friends are in the thick of it. Stay in contact with your friends. Write the important numbers of your lawyer, legal aid, or your contacts on your arm in a sharpie. Plan escape routes beforehand and note where you could be cornered or kettled. Bring a backpack with the change of clothes for quickly changing descriptions. Know your people. Be wary, of, be wary of anyone attempting to incite a crime. They might be a cop. Don't bring your cell phone, okay? Don't bring anything you may, that you'd be upset if you lost. And cell phones in particular are a security risk for not only yourself, but for everyone else at the protest. Basically, don't take media unless you've been asked to do so by the protest organizers. It's been proven multiple times that the police will use social media, videos, pictures to backtrack and pin crimes on innocent activists. So leave your phone at home. So, what about a gun? Um, I'm not going to advise you on that. I'm not going to advise you one way or another to take your firearm or not take your firearm. That's your choice. Just remember what we talked about earlier. Leftist protesters aren't treated with kid gloves. And if you do shoot someone, or even caught by LEOs carrying, the courts won't treat you like they're treating Kyle Rittenhouse. (sighs) Jesus. So should you bring a gun well like I said that's for you to decide but there's a lot to consider first are you willing to take punishment for your actions are you actually capable both physically and emotionally to shoot someone could you live with yourself do you truly have the discernment to tell a real threat from a perceived one do you know how to safely handle your firearm so you don't hurt bystanders and there's so much more I've taken a gun to one protest, and incidentally, it was the one I met my partner at. However, I used my discernment and left it in my car. I didn't carry it because of a few reasons. One, we outnumbered the traitorous Confederate bastards five to one. Secondly, the cops from three different agencies outnumbered the whole of us two to one. I could tell quickly that the police weren't going to let this devolve into violence because, well, we would have John Browned those antebellum fascists. I've never carried a gun in a protest, and I don't believe I ever will, unless the whole point of the protest is it's an open carry march. I'd also point out that one of Rittenhouse's victims was armed and still got shot. No shade on a comrade. Gade, no shade. Not at all. You did something. You tried. That's what it takes, is good people trying. It does demonstrate that carrying a gun at a protest, though, only helps if you can use it unhesitating, unflinching. So probably don't bring your peace to the protest, hmm? Unless you're part of an established security detail made up of competent folks who have actual plans to address these type of issues, probably should leave your firearms at home. So well, what can we do, though, if we can't shoot back? I know this episode is full of mixed messages, but honestly, it's really reflective of my feelings right now. I'm going to suggest a few things, mainly for myself, but if you want to take it away, go for it. I need to increase my unarmed training. I need to make sure that when I go to a protest, I follow all safety rules, and I need to make sure my people know where I'm at at all times. I need to learn more first aid so that if, God forbid, something like this happened in front of me, I'm prepared for it. I need to go deeper into my community helping others learn protest safety medical support and protocol for active shooters at protests the last one especially this is very much on my mind as i wait to see how the jury will return a verdict because one way or another these things are going to become more frequent and we need to be prepared i feel like we've been well prepared for police violence since that's been the norm since the 1800s I feel like we've lost our preparedness for civilian violence and that's why Kyle Rittenhouse was able to shoot three of us and not just one. If we had identified him as a threat, we could have had our own protocols in place. I totally get it. I totally get why we don't currently have those protocols because we didn't need them. But obviously we do now. We need detailed security forces for simply civilian altercations. We need to figure out how people can assist safely when these things happen and make it part of our core tactics like bringing a gas mask or being a part of a black block. We need to make sure our protests are protected. So that's all I have written at the moment. I probably tack a little on here if the verdict comes out relatively soon. I may do a whole other episode about the verdict I'm not sure, but this is what I had on my mind at the moment. I'm, I'm really scared about this, y'all, and not for me. <clears throat> I mean, to a degree for me, but more because all my friends are activists. They're out there all the time. They already face enough of a threat coming from LEOs, and if we have to worry that it's literally open season on protesters because that will get you a Fox News contract and you know you won't be prosecuted, that's scary. And it's also kind of a de facto legalizing violence against leftist actors and state sponsoring it. This is some early Nazi Germany stuff. And the right loves that playbook. So... I'm going to go ahead and, uh, I guess, close out the show. And this may be followed up with a part two after I see how the verdict plays out and how the responses are from my community. So, yeah. Like us, follow us, share us, listen to us wherever you get your podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, whatever. Our socials are Facebook and YouTube at Red Leg Revolution. Twitter is Red Leg Pod. Check us out. Like, we're building something here and we love that you're a part of it. Remember, our only hope is each other.